Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. <laughs> This is Trey. Thank you for joining us for a Tuesday edition of our podcast. Spring is right around the corner, which means uh, college baseball has started. College softball has started. March Madness is not too far away. Uh, And then the Masters, which is, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, that's how I go through life from one major sporting event to another. Our guest today may have had my dream job at one point in life. Actually, I thought it was my dream job. I'm not so sure now that it would have been, but I'll ask her. She was an anchor on ESPN, like, and I don't mean like, you know, like a one night a week anchor or three o'clock in the morning anchor, like a prime time, big deal, much bigger deal than the guy that I went to Baylor with, Wingo, Trey Wingo, much bigger deal than that. And I used to think that getting to talk about sports all day, every day would be the best way to make a living. But sports is not just sports anymore. Um, I don't, maybe it never was. I don't know. Um, it's part of the fabric of our country and there are good parts of it. Like I think sports may have done more to integrate our society, sports in the military than anything else I can think of to try to repair our country along racial lines. But nowadays it just, I don't know. It just, it just seems different. So I may be wrong, and we're going to ask an expert. So I want you to help me welcome a familiar face if you watch sports the way I do. Sage Steele, who was with ESPN for, uh, despite her youthful appearance, um, I guess close to two decades, a fixture for many of us, doing her own thing now. We'll find out what that is. Her own thing may allow her to express herself more fully. Um, But it's my first time meeting you today, although I have watched you since... Well, I don't want to say since I was a kid because you weren't born <laughs> when I was a kid, but I've been watching you for a long time. So I want to start with something that has nothing to do with like culture or sports or anything else. Like a very famous United States senator, you were born in the Canal Zone, if I am not mistaken. Yes. Is that right? That is correct. Yes, Panama. Which means you are eligible to run for president if you want to. <laughs> I have thought many times about that fact. Yes. <laughs> can I talk you out of it? Is there anything Absolutely. I can do? To t- okay. It's Absolutely. a really awful way to make a living. So your father was in the military, which my guess is means you bounced around from country to country. And that can go one of two ways. You could be mad that by the time you've had friends, it was time to move again. Or it could be I have seen things no one else my age has seen. So which was it for you? Number two. I didn't know any different. I thought that's how all kids grew up, you know? So 
we went from Panama Canal Zone. I was only there for a year after I was born and then went back to West Point where my dad had played football and graduated from in 1970. And he went back to be a coach. He was one of the plebe freshman football coaches there. And then to Indianapolis, Fort Benjamin Harrison, then to Monterey, California, where uh, the Defense Language Institute is or was, uh, Fort Ord, California. My dad was uh, told to learn Greek fluently in 10 months. So we were there for 10 months and he learned to speak Greek fluently and we moved to Athens, Greece for three years. Uh, that was in 1979, I guess. And 79 to 81, almost 82, we were in Greece. So I thought that was normal, you know? And my field trip in the third grade in Greece was to the Acropolis for the day, you know? We moved to Belgium after that in 81, and my Girl Scout troop would go to Paris for the day, or we'd go to, you know, ancient castles for the day for our field trips. You know, then I have kids and I live in Connecticut, and my kids' biggest field trip besides the Bronx Zoo was Bristol, Connecticut, the Trash Museum, Trash and Recycling Museum. So I'm like, guys, I won because I got to go to these incredible historical places, but I thought that was normal. 84 moved from Belgium back to the States, Colorado Springs, Fort Carson. Um, and that was the longest stay, five years, 84 to 89. And unfortunately the army made us move in 89, which was the beginning of my senior year of high school. Um, so Ooh. cross country to Indiana, Fort Benjamin Harrison again. And I, I was, I moved in for my senior year only. So it was, it was tough at that point, but up until then, it was a beautiful experience and my family is super close because of it. All right. I heard every word you said, but I got to be honest, my mind kind of stopped when <laughs> you said your father learned Greek in 10 months. Yeah. And I have not learned English in 59 yeah. years. So, I, I know. So how how do you learn Gre Greek is not an easy language to no. learn. My Lord. No. And he was much. still doing his military duties along with learning this language. And at the time, two little kids, my, they had my youngest brother in Belgium in 81. The funny thing is, this past summer in July, August, we went back to Greece. It was a trip that I've been trying to plan for three years. COVID got in the way. Some health issues with my dad got in the way. And my goal was to bring my parents back to where we lived where they had last been in 1981. We hadn't been back. I wanted my kids to see where I had lived as a little girl as well. And so 42 years later, we went back and stood in front of that little apartment complex that we lived in and walked around the corner to the bakery that my brother and I would go get fresh bread every day. And my dad at 77 years old still speaks fluently. And you should see, wow. I remember as a little girl, and it was the same thing this past summer when my dad, this you know, they see this big, tall, black American walk in and they think, oh, great. And then he starts to speak their language and they're like, "Opa, Opa," <laughs> and giving us free everything. And they're so appreciative that this American has learned and respected their their culture and their language. And he speaks perfect Greek at 77, almost 78 years old. We got a lot of good free food because it was like, good job, dad. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, like any son, I'm going to show favoritism towards moms because that's what sons do. So you yes. told us about your dad. Tell us about your mom. I'm so glad you asked that. So often, especially on the sports related podcast, people don't ask about my mom because it's my dad that was the former athlete. That was the reason why I chose to be a sportscaster. My mother, they call my dad the colonel. He's a retired colonel. My, the grandkids call him colonel. I don't. 
Um, <laughs> we call her the general because she really is in charge. My mother is this beautiful, uh, half Irish, half Italian. She's a pistol. She's uh, white skin, white hair, ice green eyes. Get out of the way. Um, she's in charge and she's just a beautiful soul who is so strong in so many ways. Um, I'll just say this without getting too deep into it, but um, actually it was NFL Films did a piece on my on my parents and my family and it's, it's uh, forever pinned on my ex Twitter page. Um, every time I watch it, I cry and I've watched it a lot. But my mother's family, you know, this is coming off the civil rights era, didn't like that this, you know, white Catholic girl from Massachusetts is marrying a, a black military guy. And so my parents, my mom's parents' family actually disowned her. Her parents disowned her um, for marrying a black man. And I think back to her strength to have to choose at 21, 22 years old between her family, her mom and dad, her brothers and sisters, and the man she loves. For her to find that strength to do the right thing, uh, which is to go with my dad. And I say the right thing because she was, you know, th that, that was racist, the way her parents were thinking. Different era, different generation. And I give them that grace. But that strength that that took, incredible. Six years later, her parents kind of came back and I got to know and love my grandparents and they loved me and it, it worked out. But I think about what she went through and that pain and to be alone, you know, when, when you're, you're giving birth, because back then in, in Panama, the fathers weren't allowed in the delivery room. She didn't have her parents. She didn't have her husband. So my mother is everything. Um, needless to say, I feel very blessed. Well, it's none of my business, but I was going to ask you if there was a reconciliation. And but yes. you anticipated that and you and and that is I like stories that have a happy ending. And it sounds like even though that one, the middle part of it wasn't great. Uh, the ending has been um, one of reconciliation, which is beautiful. Yeah. All right. Speaking of beautiful, I grew up watching Jane Kennedy mm. and Phyllis George. And if you held a gun to my head, I could not name another female sports anchor. I just I, I, I know I knew Jane Kennedy from NFL football. I knew Phyllis George. I think she was Miss America or Miss something or another. I can't name. Another one, and it wasn't because I didn't watch sports. It was just because there weren't that many. Gail so, Gardner was was one, and she was play-by-play -play football NFL, and I think she might have been the first to do play-by-play, -play. and she, I, I ended up meeting her years later because I worked in the Tampa market where she was. There were none, Trey. Yeah, there, there were none. It's, it's crazy. So there are two ways, I guess. You can grow up a girl that's a sports nut, or you can grow up an athlete to find yourself where you are. I mean, I, cause you could have done news, you could have done entertainment, you chose sports. So were you super athletic or were you just super into sports growing up? Average athlete, pretty average. I'm 5'11. It's a waste of height. <laughs> I always think, okay, <laughs> next time I'll, I'll do better. No, I was okay. I was actually very, very shy, zero confidence. And, I know now, like I could have been pretty good at a couple of different sports, but I didn't have it in me. Ended up riding horses, which is something my parents got me into when we lived in Belgium, uh, because I was so shy that doctors said animals will help, you know, help with that. And so it certainly did. But I was dedicated to my horse 
uh, which again, on a military salary, I don't know how my parents did that, um, but they did it because it, it kind of didn't, I don't, don't want to say saved me, but it brought me out a little more and gave me a little confidence. Um, and then I, I was a tomboy also because I had my dad and two brothers. And when we lived in Europe, especially in Belgium, I mean, there was only one TV channel that, that had English speaking anything on it. The, the shows were coming over from the United States. So on weekends, all that was on was sports. And it was, you know, at the time, Cowboys, Redskins, Celtics, Lakers. And I wanted to hang out with my dad. And he didn't sit down much. But when he did, that's what we watched. I watched his passion for it as a former football player who actually was drafted by the Detroit Lions, despite the really? fact that he was coming out of West Point. There's no cadets coming out of any service academy back then that were allowed to play pro sports, but they drafted him anyway. That says how good he was. And so I, I got to learn the game of football by sitting next to my dad. And then I was 11 when I, I announced to the Steele family that I wanted to be a sportscaster. And it was because, and this is the thing, you touched on this earlier. I felt that from a young age, how sports brought people together, especially living overseas. And all, all of us Americans would come together. Super Bowl Sunday was, was, was a, a big party and, um, you know, on post, on those bases. I could tell, and I think back now, it didn't matter your race, certainly gender. That wasn't a thing back then, an issue back then. Your socioeconomic status, your politics, nothing mattered. We all came together for three hours to cheer for the same team, you know? And that is still the case today. I feel like if we could take lessons from sport, we would be so much better. But I felt that connection from a young age and I wanted to be a part of it. And I wanted to also be a part or learn about these athletes and their greatness and how, you know, if you're on the free throw, NBA finals, two seconds left and it's a tie game. How do you have that strength, that ability to, to block everything else out and hit that shot, the pressure? Like I wanted to understand how these athletes did that. And that's why I wanted to be a sportscaster. We'll be right back with more of the Trey Gowdy podcast. I marvel. You do not appear shy at this point point in life. I know. You, you, you appear to be, uh, I think the word is effervescent, uh, very outgoing. Thank you. So let me ask you from, um, I'm an amateur psychologist, as most trial lawyers <laughs> are, are shy people born or did something make you withdrawn and feel more of a connection with horses than arguably you did other kids your age? No, I, I yeah, I believe I mean, through my expert opinion, I don't know. I believe that we're born that way. Listen, I still have it. I still feel it. I felt it this past weekend. I was um, in Indianapolis for the NBA All-Star weekend, and I, I was coming at Las Vegas Super Bowl. And I, I still have to walk into an area, and I get tight, and I'm like, okay, you can do this. And then I, I've learned to be able to flip a switch. And... I guess it's a, a it's a, another personality where I, I know I can go get that and do what I need to do, and then I'll kind of go back in. That doesn't happen as often anymore. You know, it literally was just, maybe it was all the moving. I, I don't know. My brother wasn't like that, though. He's very outgoing, always has been and always will, but I just felt safer, you know, around my family and my parents. But it was it was a little too much, and so that's why my parents had you know, doctor friends, and they said, just try this. Animals do work. Animals are very therapeutic. So when I ended up being pretty competitive, pretty good, it was the hunter jumper uh, 
style of English writing. And I ended up being pretty good, uh, which also built confidence. We just didn't have enough money to do anything, you know, long-term in the sport. That's for sure. So I, I don't know people, my parents even laugh sometimes all these years that they've watched the way watched me on ESPN. They laugh because they see my personality doing TV and they're like, what, who is that? And what did you do with our sage? You know, but um, I think they're proud of me because they know that I had to continue to push through that initial, I guess, feeling of stepping back and then to push for, I knew the only way I'd achieve this crazy dream is if I talked, as <laughs> if I got out of that shell. Well, I am not laughing so much as smiling. My, my best friend in politics is a U.S. senator by the name of Tim Scott. He will actually mm. preach my funeral, assuming he's not the one that kills me. He, I won't go, <laughs> I, I've already asked him, will you preach my funeral? He is an wow. introvert. Yeah, I can no, see that with him. I can feel that. He, I mean, if people knew his routine, he has to work himself up to be this to see him on stage, you think that he's like an evangelist, but that is an effort. It, it, it he's is. forced to do it. And so for all the shy young women, especially, but also men, um, you can actually be like a world famous sports announcer and still be shy. You just got to work at it. All right, I want to talk to you about sports for a second. Yeah. And then I want you to tell me why I'm wrong. All right. Because uh, to me, the beauty of sports I don't care about socioeconomic status, race, religion. I feel a common bond with other Dallas Cowboys fans, no matter what. I mean, we all pull for the same team God pulls for, and that which is the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. And there's a connection there. And and the University of South Carolina Gamecocks, there's a connection. If yes. I could, I went to Baylor, so if I'm if, if I met somebody f from you know, another state, Alaska, we would still talk about why Kim Mulkey left and how much we wish you were still. Oh, I love her. I do, too. I still talk to her, even though I also love Dawn Staley. And I'm afraid they're headed toward a collision course. But we'll save that for another day. <laughs> so, so so it has this power to unify us and overcome every obstacle. And yet, to me, sports has changed a little bit. It's so this line, there was a commentator that told LeBron, shut up and dribble. I don't agree with that. I think he has a right to express himself. And, sure. and so does Dak Prescott and fill in the blank. Uh, you know, they're devoutly spirit. Bernhard Longer is a devoutly spiritual um, senior PGA golfer. Every bit in the world to express themselves. But, but then we get to this point where it almost seems like Sports is trying to divide us again. The, 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 the highlight, and I'll use the U.S. women's soccer team. Yes. I mean, I, everybody should be pulling for the U.S. women's soccer team, except it just seems like issues are brought up that are not calculated to unite us. So I, I'm going to shut up and let you tell me how I'm wrong. No, you're right. I wish you were wrong. I wish I were wrong. I don't know what it is. And I agree. I mean, Laura Ingram's the one that said that to LeBron, shut up and dribble. And Part of it, I think, and I don't want to speak for her, is because quite often what he says, he, he he speaks before he thinks or speaks before he researches and knows all the facts about things. And I think that's frustrating for some, but I absolutely agree. Everyone has a right to speak and to have an opinion. 
I think the other reason why I loved sports as a kid, and certainly, certainly as I've gotten older and, and deeper into the industry, is because it was the one escape. It was the one place everybody could go to escape from life, whether it be work or a bad family situation, uh, economics issues, like it was the one place, it was a safe space. And all of a sudden you're being indoctrinated while you're watching an NBA game or an NFL game and things have changed the last few years, but the NBA certainly still makes many political statements, um, whether it's what's painted on their court, you name it. So I get why there's frustration there and people just want to love them for love these athletes for the joy that they bring us for the talent that they have their ability to unite on the Dallas Cowboys Sunday right that's the hard part it's the hard part for me what happened with the US women's soccer team is pretty heartbreaking because they were always just everybody loved them right i mean they they united you think back to when they won the World Cup in 99 and, and how incredible that was. And it was women doing it. The men's national soccer team has been quite average compared to the women, you know? So it was so fun to watch. And then you have the divisiveness. I mean, I, I, had, I had Megan Rapino bring up my name along with um, Martina Navratilova and Dave Chappelle saying that the three of us our like answer to a trivia question. The three of y'all, your <laughs> names together, you and Dave um, Chappelle. Exactly in common. Exactly. The three of us are inciting violence against trans people by standing up for women's sports with this transgender sports issue. Isn't that brilliant? So people like, right, I know. Yeah, people I don't like follow, Megan, I don't follow that one. No, none of us really do. People like Megan are the reason why they're is, I think, a, a separation, a little bit of a, a departure that so many sports fans all of a sudden have, in particular from the women's soccer team. And it stinks because there's the majority of those women are incredible women and they just want to play soccer and they want to represent the United States. I say to Megan and all these other people who think it's so awful here, fine, leave. But in the meantime, don't say those things, but then still accept those checks because right. she's a millionaire, multimillionaire because of this terrible country that she's living in, you know? And oh, by the way, this is about something, this isn't even an opinion. This is fact-based, this is science. Hashtag science, everybody, when it comes to uh, biological men trying to play women's sports. And we've allowed it all the way down to elementary school levels and on up, and the videos continue to go viral. It's people like her that are creating the divide. And I, I think that we just have to continue to to talk about the good, because there's so much good. There's so many great stories and so many athletes that are doing awesome things and are proud of, of who they represent, whether it's, you know, the Cowboys or the women's national soccer team and proud to be an American, you know, that that's what I try to focus on, even though sometimes thanks to social media, those people are elevated and their voices are elevated. And I, and I I'm trying to, it's just, let's talk about those who are making a real difference more instead of those who choose to divide. No, I would view it as you offering a, an additional perspective and people can choose which perspective they want, um, but they should hear all of them. And, and the thing I don't get, or the part I don't get is some athletes seem like their goal is to be as provocative as possible. Their yeah. goal is to be, unnecessarily divisive 
I mean, every now and again, you would you get asked a question. Maybe you wish you weren't asked by a reporter and you answer it honestly, but you don't yeah. go out of your way to insert politics or the culture. I mean, look, I, I'm a Lakers fan, so I guess, you know, I, I, I guess. I'll how are you a Lakers team. fan? Tell me how. I grew up pulling for three teams, Dallas, the Cincinnati Reds and Los Angeles Lakers, and I've <laughs> never changed. And I mean, but I'm I'm going back to the days of Jerry West, yeah, and, and Magic Johnson and Showtime. I mean, I couldn't really name that many players right now. But but who sh- who else should I pull for? I can't pull for Boston. <laughs> I mean, that would that's, that's like a religious issue. But just being being from the East Coast slash South, and you're going for the Lakers. I mean, I just had to push you a little bit there. That's all. I like Michael Cooper. I thought he was underrated. Okay. I thought it was very underrated. Was. Uh, James he Worthy was, was from great North Carolina. Era. Yeah, that's yeah. true. What a, what an incredible era, which to me is my favorite era of basketball, even into the late 80s, early 90s, you know, where they really let him play in the kind of Detroit Pistons bad boys era. And I lived in Indiana during, and covered the Pacers during the mid to late 90s and that, that era with Jordan and Reggie and Spike Lee. Oh, my gosh. Such a great era, especially compared to to now and the all-star game, which is a waste of time to watch. You know, give me a break. Oh, that was awful. We'll be right back with more of the Trey Gowdy podcast. I want to ask you two questions. So one is my criticism of ESPN. And now, and again, I want you to tell me, no, Trey, you're wrong. You're looking at it the wrong way. I mean, sports to me in part is about teamwork. And it is a, a often people coming together, team sports, or individual sports, it is overcoming something. You know, when I flip on ESPN now, I hear the word posterized. I mean, we want to dunk on someone's head. It's never the assist that I see making the highlights. It's always, it's almost more professional wrestling than it is what I, I mean, to think of, Pearl Washington, to think of a beautiful pass enabling someone to score, to me, is every bit as great as seeing somebody who's seven feet tall, what's the phrase, posterize someone, put someone (laughs) on a poster. So here's your chance to say, no, you're an old person, you don't get the young generation, and you're wrong. No, listen, I think you're right. I just think it's everywhere. And it it goes, I think it's as simple as, social media and the emergence of that and how everybody's brains just need everything immediately, allegedly, um, this generation. But it, I mean, I, it, I feel like we've always celebrated that. You think about like the top 10, the sports center top 10 highlights, which I did thousands of times, you know, and it's the sexy plays that made the top 10, you know? I don't exactly know when that began. I mean, when, when do you remember kind of seeing that change because i feel like it's been a long it's been a long time to celebrate that you almost have to go to the nfl films type you know whether it's those shows or networks where they go deeper and take you deeper and how the plays evolved and the true x's and o's to to get people talking about those assists you know or not just not just you know the home run i mean but but the pitch and how about the incredible pitcher and what he's throwing out there and the ability to go, you know, he's over a hundred and a uh, hundred pitches and like, like 
I, I love the behind the scenes X's and O's stuff, right? I love when you're at a baseball game. It's hard to do this on TV when you're watching what's happening, you know, in the dugout and just the communication and the signs and the first baseman's picking it up and the, the pitcher's picking it up and certainly the catcher. Like, that's not the sexy stuff, you know? It just takes a lot more time and it's tougher to show on TV, you know? And I, it, the attention spans don't seem to to be able to appreciate that. But I do think it's it's been going on for a really long time. I, I don't know how to fix it. I mean, if you think about just with our cell phones now and they talk about the, all the addictive parts of it and how addicting it is to get a ding for a text, much less if you're swipe, 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 like our kids do and young people do on, on Snapchat and TikTok. So I hate to say, because I'm a glass half full person, I feel like that era is gone. Um, oh, and we are just going to have to go seek it out. The glass got stolen kind of person. I mean, I, you won't meet a more cynical person in your life, but <laughs> I still, I mean, the, it's not whether it's half full or half empty. Somebody stole it two days it's ago. It's gone. That's how no, you're I right. Am. But think about all the segments that sell. I think ESPN stopped doing it a few years ago and it was, you know, the, the, whatever the next segment was called, but it was those, the big hits, those toughest hits and they'd celebrate the biggest hits. And it was like, Oh, and I admit, I liked it. That, that shows, you know, some intensity and really good technical, technically good hits on defense. I like that. But then all of a sudden we have the, the um, concussions and injuries. And so we have to, had to get away from that. How about you got Moss, that segment with Randy Moss and, and right. I mean, all that stuff really does sell. You know, the ducks. And you put sell. your finger on it. It, it. I am blaming the wrong person. I am taking the easy way out. It is the consumer that wants to see it, which is why we get more of it, I think. I mean, we should never blame the jury. That's what lawyers tell themselves. Yeah. It's never the jury's fault. But sometimes the crowd is wrong. And the fact that the crowd, you know, wants to see, like, I, I, I pulled up, I always check the ESPN. Um, website in the morning when I wake up and the dominant story was a massive fight between two college basketball yeah. teams. It was awful, awful. It was, it, it was a coaches involved. It was bad. Yes. It was one of the worst ones I've seen in a while. So is that newsworthy? Yes. Do we run the risk? Oh, that, so let me ask you one. I mean, you things. do have to show that, right? Like, like you, you have, have to, to show it's that. news. Yes, it, it, it is news. And especially if somebody gets hurt. Um, but to what end, you know, do, do we, then it's on a loop. It's not necessarily on a loop on ESPN, but now every platform has picked it up and then they're reacting. And then the problem is, is yes, the advertisers see how many clicks that got. And so, Hey, let's put our money into things like this because that's what everybody's clicking on. It is clickbait. And you can look at that outside of sports as well. And just the types of headlines that editors put out on anything cnn fox oh. news and it's like wait that headline doesn't actually match the story you know right. I, I i experience that myself quite often with with my lawsuit with with against disney and espn and and the headlines versus the facts or even quote unquote facts that were in the article that actually weren't facts weren't the truth because people people just sensationalize everything and don't take that moment to really give the, the truth about an article and educate people and that's that's across the board mm -hmm. sports politics you name it I was actually on a friend of mine's show, and I was making a point, and I don't Google myself, but one of my buddies sent it to me, and the headline could not have been more opposite from not only what I meant, but what I said, 
But what I said was not provocative. What what they wanted it to say was, so you mentioned your line of work. It's really not my line of work. I'm really a lawyer, but Fox is good enough to let me be on air talking about, well, I mean, I was in Congress for a little while, but still, sometimes the two overlap. And, And this is the first time I watched ESPN, I was on a church trip, church choir trip. And we were staying at somebody's house, and they had cable. They they had ESPN, and I I literally I thought I had died and gone to heaven, which in and of <laughs> itself was surprising to me that I made it. I was a little surprised. The notion that I could watch sports for twenty four hours a day, I, I was. So I went back home and asked my dad, who's the only poor doctor who's ever lived. He was a <laughs> doctor, but he convinced us we were poor, so we could not afford. ESPN, but I knew that it was out there, 24 hours a day sports. And now politics is 24 hours a day, even if it doesn't like need to be 24 hours, we yeah. make it. So that's a long way of saying. So I flip on and I see sometimes, I won't call any names, but I see, I see guys that never played college or professional sports. And they spend hours and hours talking about something that's whether Dak Prescott really should be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And I just I wonder, I mean, we can take politics or we can take sports. We just seem to like look for divisiveness. We look for things to argue and fight about, even when we have to manufacture it or. Yes. Or am I just old and looking at it wrong? Unfortunately, no, I think you're right. Or maybe we are old together and looking at it wrong. Uh, Now it's, that has changed. To me, it changed, you know, when I was working there in 2016, when Donald Trump was elected, that's when it feels like it really changed. And there were so many athletes who were speaking out and against Trump and kneeling and all that stuff. So I feel like that's when it really turned from from you know being on the outside as a viewer of sports and ESPN and obviously working there for almost 17 years that's when it changed that's when it got super political and then covid happened and then George Floyd died right. and all those things together because for a long time there were pretty strict rules that as as on air talent there, we weren't allowed to to talk politics and you had to be really careful even on social media. And and then in particular, when it was, it, again, it was Trump. And then certain people spoke out and certain people were held accountable for it. Certain people were not. Uh, most were not. If it was Trump related, they let them kind of say whatever they wanted. Um, but then with George Floyd, that's when it, it was just a free for all. And everybody was just kind of, my goodness, it got ugly. And, and all of a sudden the the Leadership just let it all go. And that was kind of the crazy thing, because to me, I'd have people say it to me all the time and reach out or people at a grocery store and say, I just want to come to you guys to get get away from this. If I wanted to talk about what's going on, you know, and the lockdowns and everything else, I would go to a news channel. Why are you guys doing this? And I, I would beg my producers, like, what are we doing? And I never got answers. Listen, I think it's deeper than just the producers at ESPN. This goes much deeper. This is this is Disney. This that was Disney leading the way and green lighting it for sure. So um, I don't know that there's really an opportunity to turn back. I guess there's an opportunity, but I think they've lost so many people because of it. 
And that's what breaks my heart because there's so many, the vast majority of people there are wonderful and are like us who just want to talk sports because you're not going to ESPN for any other reason. I mean, plus it's hard to get in. It's hard to get there and it's hard to stay there. <laughs> so um, I, I just am saddened because it didn't have to be this way, but they chose it and then encouraged it. And then there's several other things that were very intentional. For example, uh, Leah Thomas and making Will Thomas, as Riley Gaines refers to him as, because he's still a guy, um, that making Leah Thomas a one of the, you know, female athletes that was celebrated during Women's History Month, you know, last year in 2023. And it's like, there are so many other women to choose from. And I know people, executives who were in those rooms who were saying, what are we doing? Why are we choosing a man to celebrate the greatness of women's sports? And they pushed forward with it. So uh, it's pretty deeply ingrained now. And if you speak out against it, as I have found out and a few others have found out, uh, you will be spoken to. You will be dealt with, even though it's common sense. And I swear that I do not. I, I don't understand. I'm look, I'm not a woman. I grew up with three sisters. I would say 99% of the dominant influences in my life are women, but I'm not one. So I, I can't. But if I were. The notion that I am going to compete against biological men, because I don't ever see I don't ever see biological women going to to like box or do MMA against. Of course men. not. I don't see that. So no. I see people who can't win against other men going to compete against women. And if I were a woman, that would outrage me. But I'm not. And apparently it doesn't outrage some That's what I'm women. so confused about. I don't understand why so many women have been silent, especially some of these influential women who are were at the forefront of Title IX and pushing and pushing for equality with women's sports, at least just get the same amount of coverage on ESPN or other networks. And I know these women. I know some of those biggest names and Billie Jean King and all those women who are out there. And there's just silence. And I don't understand it makes zero sense. All I can think of, and I do know this from speaking to a few of them, is there's fear that they will be canceled. And I guess at some point, I, I just don't have patience for that. Maybe it's because I've been canceled so many times. But I also was able to get back up after the cancellation. And I, I'm kind of living proof that you can be crushed and, yeah, canceled all of it demonized and still stand up and, and survive. Is everybody's situation different? Yes. And, and I truly respect that. I really do. There's a risk for all of us, though, no matter our situation. But I feel like at this point, if more women don't take a stand with this, it's our own fault. Should we have to be doing this in the first place? No, no. Shame on these men for, yeah, not being able to win amongst there are the other men and then say, OK, let me find another way. Shame on them. Um, but shame on the women who are silent. I don't get it. And it's heartbreaking. You know, if I still had my, my kids are older, I have a senior in high school and two in college, two girls and a boy. And, you know, I, I don't have any reason to be doing this right now. It's not like my kids are being forced to change in locker rooms with boys. It's not it's not that this is about right and wrong. And I feel a responsibility because I have a platform and because for 
decades I've been out there pushing for equality for women. And to be silent now is just criminal. It's it's inexcusable. And I, it sounds a little dramatic, but I feel like as women, if we stay silent, we're going to have blood on our hands as this continues and continues. Um, and it is. It's so funny. Dave Chappelle, actually, to bring him up again, he made a great joke, I think, last year sometimes. It's like, oh, OK, sure. Women, men, sure. Come on in. That's fine. So when LeBron James says, you know what? I think I'm a woman. Fine. That means he has to do what? Play in the WNBA where he will proceed to score 756 points a night. How are we going we gonna to be OK with that when LeBron comes in and crushes everybody in the WNBA? Of course we're not. What is the line then that's going to be enough? That line that goal, the goalposts keep moving. And I just feel the need to call out the BS with this one because this isn't even about an opinion about anything, any athlete, or even I got in trouble for talking about the vaccine mandate. That's, that's an opinion. This is science. This is very black and white to me. Men are physically stronger than women, period. And you know what? It doesn't make them better than us. They're just physically stronger. We are incredible beings by ourselves. Women are, women are pretty amazing. We don't, need, we don't need to take steps backwards. And it is time that women fight. But I also know a lot of men at my former place of employment who have daughters who are in there, who are playing, who are silent. And uh, we need the guys out there, too. I guess they're silent because, I mean, I, I and not not to talk politics because I, I I really would rather talk sports than talk politics. But it's not my fault that the two have been like intersected with one another. Right. Whether people like Tim Scott or not, whether they like him or not, he's a historic figure in my state. I mean, my state's where the Civil War began. He beat Strom Thurmond's son in a race. Mm. He beat a popular governor's son in a race. Whether you are to the left of Chairman Mao Zedong, you should acknowledge that he is historic. But mm-hmm. it seems like history doesn't run that direction. It only runs to the left. I mean, yes. if you are progressive and you are liberal, then you are historic. But Tim Scott is not. And it seems like, I mean, you mentioned vaccines. I read, I guess, the last couple of days um, that there's an uptick in heart-related issues and an uptick in brain-related issues for those who got the vaccine. No, so I got it. My dad's a doctor. My physician told me to get it. I got it. I don't care that other people didn't, and I don't know when it became a political issue. I mean, to me, that's like a medical issue. And for those who said they don't want it, these recent studies seem to buttress their decision not to get it. Yes. Well, it's interesting because you think back to when the talk about a vaccine first came out and Trump was still president. And then you had, you know, people like Kamala Harris and Hillary Clinton, you know, saying, OK, if, if, if Trump is saying we need to get this, I, you know, I'm not going to do it. If he's involved in this process in any way, I'm, I'm not getting it. Biden takes over. And then if you don't get it, then you're evil and you're a crazy right winger. So, yeah, they 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 made it political. I don't get it, but it's been made that way, made to be that way. It's also interesting when you mentioned Tim Scott, who I so respect, not being celebrated as he should be. I I agree. And I think about Condoleezza Rice and how oh, she Lord. has been silenced and not silenced. She's just not been celebrated nearly to the level that she should have been based on everything she's done and continues to do, not just in politics, but in, in the sports world as well. 
um, as a, a black woman with a green jacket from Augusta National. I mean, th what? It wasn't that long ago when black people in general, black men weren't even allowed in there. Um, how about Dr. Benjamin Carson and what he has done in the medical field and the brilliant soul that he is and the beautiful example. And, and despite his dire upbringings with, with a, a single mother who worked a hundred jobs and these people should be celebrated. African-Americans, when, when we think about Black History Month, um, people who are still here today and making such a difference, but because they don't think the way that they're supposed to, then they're ignored. That breaks my heart. That's not okay, you know? Um, but I, but that's why every time I get a chance to mention Condi Rice or any of these people, I, I, I try to because they deserve, you know what, she doesn't want it. She doesn't need it necessarily. I know, I'm sure Tim feels the same way. I don't know. He's your, your dear friend and Dr. Carson and so many others, Thomas Sowell, what he says, what he has said. And, and I, it's so, it's so ugly and divisive. And I, I just refuse to stay quiet about it though. You know, I, I do listen through the last few years and, and my decision to stand up for myself at ESPN, um, which was the scariest decision I've ever had to make. What it has taught me is that, um, you know, besides being a mother, I feel like I know why God has me on this earth now. It's because I'm no longer afraid to speak up for what I feel is the truth. And as scary as it is, and as costly as it has been in every possible way, I know that I'm right to try to stand up for others who have felt silenced, been wronged in certain ways, and just like this transgender sports issue, just to speak truth when others want to. I know so many people who want to, but are afraid to. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know why it's happened to me, but I know that I'm here and I've been given this platform through a lot of blood, sweat and tears as a, a woman and a woman of color in the sports industry when, when no one else was back when I was starting. Robin Roberts was my hero. She was the only other one. So I'm here and I know that I have to try to stand up for those who have felt the way I felt for so many years. Yeah, I, I and I guess that's where I kind of come down. I mean, I, kind of growing up in a courtroom, the best argument wins, the jury decides, uh, let both sides have at it. It is this restriction based on content or whether or not I like your point of view. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I would be fine if ESPN said, look, no one, any of our anchors talking about politics or anything. Well, that's how it used related. to be, though. Yeah, that's I'm, how it used to be. And that's what I can say. You can talk about it and you can talk about it as much as you want. It's just saying, I mean, you don't have to comment on this because you probably know them both. And I don't know. I don't know Tara Vanderveer from Stanford. I've never met her. I don't know her at all. But. She seems to be much more celebrated in certain sports worlds than Kim Mulkey. And Kim Mulkey is very outspoken <laughs> about uh, almost everything. I love her to death. I met her 20-something years ago, and I've followed her all the way through LSU. She's been she sat right where you're sitting right now, and she's been with me several times. But she's not celebrated the way that more – she's perceived as being right-leaning. I don't know why. I don't even know her politics – but she's perceived that way. And it just, I don't know. The, like ESPN did a special on Kim Mulkey that was about half positive, half not. It was an article. It was not a, it, it was a oh, okay. on your website. I'm telling you, 
Sage, I mean, like Tara Vanderveer would not have a story that was half negative, half positive. It would be 99. And neither would Don Staley and neither would many of the others. Exactly. No, Brittany Griner would not. Of course not. Uh, And look, I, I, I sat by Brittany when they got their national championship. I had, I, I, I liked her. I liked her personally. We don't agree on everything. We don't make the same lifestyle decisions, but I don't know. It's just kind of content-based refereeing that just is making sports not what it once was. It's just another place. Well, the Super Bowl. I mean, did you think that you would wake up and be fighting about how many national anthems were sang and who sang what? I mean, after the Super Bowl, I want to figure out why we let our defensive coordinator go at Dallas. That's all right. I care about. I don't care right. about the other stuff. Right, right. You're, you're right, though. I do want to, and I, and I, it's funny, I haven't paid as close of attention. Um, it's been healthy to step away from that next level, all those sports topics lately. But I would, I need to go find that Kim Mulkey article because I love her. I had a brief conversation with her at the ESPYs probably in 2019. And she pulled me aside and she's like, you stay strong. And that got me choked up. It, it, it meant the world to me um, because sometimes you feel alone when you're just speaking your truth, you know, and that's all, that's all, that's all I ever wanted. That's all I actually, my fight against ESPN was based on was truly, you can't pick and choose who you allowed to speak. If, if, if you're going to let everybody over here talk about all that they want and politically, whether it's on TV on the ESPN platforms or on their social media, um, you know, but we had people going on NBA shows, you know, hosts talking about Roe versus Wade during NBA draft coverage. And that when the Roe v. Wade was overturned or the quote unquote, don't say gay bill that was brought up. And then there's moments of silence during women's basketball coverage. Like what are, what are we doing? So if you're going to allow and promote that and actually, you know, make a strategic decision to base programming around that, but then others can't speak their truth about just, you know, my, my, my experience as a, a biracial woman and how I choose to celebrate my entire family, not just one half of it, or, you know, the, the vaccine mandate, et cetera. All I did was I said it all on a separate platform, a podcast on the day off. So all I ever asked for, and it's not about me here, this is the big picture, but all we ever, I think, want as a society is, is consistency, right? Even if right. you don't like Fair, the rules fairness. at a company you work for, is it, and I say this as a parent too, you know, you, you, you might not like my, my rules, but they're the rules. And by the way, it's for all three kids, not just two of you. And if they're inconsistent with that, that's when you lose people. It's pretty basic, and for corporate America, that was the reason for my fight is for, for hopefully corporations to just say, wait a minute, there are going to be people who push back if we aren't consistent with it. You know, it's not that hard. Yeah, it's the, you know, either you can have none of it, you can have all of it, or you can do like we used to do in the courtroom and just let the best argument win. I like the old days. I met Kim they were playing Tennessee when Pat when Pat Summit was the coach and like the Sweet 16 and Baylor w- yeah. had never won a national championship and with less than a second to go the referee called a foul way away from the basket on a missed free throw less than a second to go foul against Baylor Tennessee made the free throws and went on to the elite oh. eight and so I sent an email 
to Baylor Athletics, this is the worst call I've ever seen in the history of mankind or womankind. And I thought I would hear nothing more. I got an email back from Coach Mulkey saying, yeah, that was pretty bad. And we have been friends. I was what? That was before that was before Sophia Young. It was that was before her. It's been twenty years, I guess. I was gonna say, because Pat's been gone for eight or ten years, I feel oh, like Oh, it was yeah. it was before Baylor won their first national championship. Yeah. And you know, Kim says what's on her mind when she's in press conferences and she doesn't tolerate poor questions. I don't know. I, I think it is possible to love and respect Dawn Staley and Kim Mulkey, because I do. I just kind of wonder why people that cover women's sports don't always seem to. Well, but I, th- I, wanna, I think we I think we know why. I think we know why, sadly. I want to end and, on a happy note, yes. uh, which I'm also not known for, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. Out of respect for you, I'm going to end on a happy note, okay? <laughs> I want you to tell me about a book you've read that changed your life. Um, it was given to me in 1990, June of 1990, by a college classmate of my dad's at West Point upon my high school graduation. His name is Mike Krzyzewski, and it's by Dr. Seuss, Oh, the Places You'll Go. Wow. And I was freaking out because it was Coach K. And I grew up a Duke fan because of my dad's relationship with Coach K from their West Point days. And I had that dream of being a sportscaster at that time. I told you I was 11 when I announced it. So when I look at that book and I opened it recently because of all of the changes in my life and my professional career, all of it. And I had no idea of the places I would go. I had no idea that what the path that it would take to get there and the ups and downs that come with it and, you know, falling and getting back up, which is so cliche, but so true. And I think back to when he gave me, I got it in the mail, that book signed Mike and Mickey, his wife, Mickey Krzyzewski. I mean, I think back to that and thinking, oh my gosh, he thinks I can do this, you know? And that's why it's prominently displayed here in my office, because that was this crazy dream that I had that back then little girls didn't dream of, you know? And then throughout my career, I was told I wasn't going to make it, wasn't going to make it. Um, and the, and the many reasons why, <laughs> and I don't know, I did it. And I did much more than I ever, ever dreamt of. I just wanted to get to ESPN, much less stay and, you know, experience things well beyond what I ever imagined. So, I just go back to that that little Dr. Seuss book that really changed my life. I'm forever grateful for for Dr. Seuss. I don't know is he is he still allowed in in schools? Has he been canceled yet? I don't know, but uh, I think that I don't. I think I that don't. that's a dream that so many have, and and we need to remember. It's not always going to be an easy road there, but the road is is going to be what it's supposed to be because I believe mine is a journey that God put me on, and um. The journey continues now. We'll be right back with more of the Trey Gowdy podcast. All right. So I cannot let that go because what I heard you just say is a word, even a seemingly innocuous word of encouragement from someone you respected stayed with you all these years. So to a young woman 
listening that maybe is shy, maybe has moved from city to city, wants to be on ESPN like you were, wants to be famous like you are, what would you tell a younger version of yourself? I would tell that little girl to be ready. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be pretty. But to never let go of that dream that she had when she was little. There were so many times, Trey, when I wanted to quit, when I wanted to run away, when I thought this is too much, it's not worth it, and it's scary, and there's mean people, and what am I, you know, I'm not cut out for this. But that, there were many times when that happened and my father and mother would look at me or over the phone and say, okay, yeah, you have a right to be upset. You have a right to be hurt. Are you going to let that situation, that person ruin your dream? Okay, that's fine. That's on you. And every time I get back up and go do it again, and I think about what if, I think about that all the time. What if I had quit? What if I hadn't tried? Even if I had been given a million no's, I would have always wondered, could I have? And look what happened, you know? Either way, we've got to continue to challenge ourselves. And um, I, I'm very open about my fears and how scary it has been um, recently and really from day one to get away from being that shy kid to now saying, okay, you might be hated for staying true to who you are, but at least that's my truth and I know it's mine. And now it's not just my three kids who've been watching. It's some thousands, sometimes millions of, of young people out there and even people my age who still have fear. So um, I would just, I would have had to tell myself to grow some thick skin really fast. My skin <laughs> was not very thick for a long time. In some ways it still is not, but you know what? I wouldn't change a thing. Um, just you'll always regret it if you don't try. And I tried. And I'm forever grateful that I found that strength from my family and through my faith. Where can people find you if they want to follow you? I'm, I'm, social media is I'm not great at it. So but I assume <laughs> you probably are. But I mean, if people want to you mentioned the Super Bowl and you mentioned you were somewhere else recently on a, a all star, I guess the all star game. So where can people find you now? That's a great question, because sometimes I don't even know where I am. I've been running around so much, but social media wise, um, yeah, on X, Twitter and Instagram, it's just at Sage Steel. Uh, Facebook, too. I try to do all of it now. I'm not very good at all the TikTok stuff. My kids are like, Mom, stop. You're embarrassing. You're awful. I'm like, OK, well, then I'm doing something right if I'm embarrassing you. I, I do have an announcement coming up in a couple of weeks about my yeah. my next gig, so to speak. And some other things I've been working on. It's been really awesome and fun. And I look forward to announcing that stuff on, on social media. Just, um, you know, I feel I want you to know how grateful I am that you wanted to have me on. And I just know, again, that um, I'm here to try to help others not feel the fear that I did for so long. And it's really been amazing to see what happens when you do take a chance on yourself. I thought, oh gosh, I'll never get another job and I'm going to be hated forever. It's quite the opposite. There's so many people who have come out and said, hey, I got you. And what do you think about this? And would you do this? And I'm like, oh, they're just the people who are a little quieter. And, and um, you know, in this cancel culture, the good ones, I think, still outnumber the not so good. Um, and so I'm excited to, to share very soon what I'll do on those social media platforms. 
Well, I want people to know this is an audio podcast, but but I turn my video on so I can look at my guest because uh, I like eye contact. I do not see fear when I see you. I, I do not see fear. Um, I see someone who um, persevered and prevailed, and I'm excited about whatever it is you're going to announce. I, I guess secretly in my well of souls, I hope that you're not announcing that you're taking my show on Fox News <laughs> um, I wouldn't blame them. Not. I wouldn't blame them if they switched <laughs> no. us out. I, I wouldn't blame them one bit. I don't. Heck I'm no. not even sure my mom would blame them if they switched no. us out. But um, whatever it is, you're going to be successful. I know you'll be unafraid. And if it's sports related, uh, I'll be watching. If it's uh, like arts or scientific or something, I won't follow <laughs> it. So I probably no, won't. Look at me. You know, I'm the opposite of a scientist. I mean, every day is a struggle. No, it'll, I think you'll like it. It's, 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 it's having conversations. God forbid we have a conversation with somebody, even people that we feel differently about or have different opinions. That is what is missing. That's what I'm so excited to do. And just to be out there and be honest. And thank you. I'm, I'm no longer fearful. I've been scared for the majority of my life. It feels really good to uh, no longer live in fear, no matter what the outcome is. Well, I'm not one to usually quote a whole lot of Bible verses because I usually get them wrong when I do. But I think there is a verse about being bold and courageous. So do not be fearful of anything. Fear is caution is good, sage, but fear is debilitating. So do not be afraid. And I can't wait to see whatever the future holds for you. And I'm just so proud that I got to meet somebody I've been watching for 20 years tell me that my Reds lost or my Lakers lost <laughs> or my Cowboys are not going to make the playoffs again or Romo fumbled the extra <laughs> point hold in a playoff uh, game. I want you to know I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm a Dak lover. I got to interview him uh, for a show I was doing on ESPN uh, streaming show and he is just as you know such a special soul. I will always be a Cowboys fan because of Dak. And I do a lot of work with Jason Witten. I was just there last week. He has his uh, uh, Jason Witten Collegiate Man of the Year Award, which is, you know, just like the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. And Jason does it on the college level. And Jason and Michelle Witten are just incredible humans who are making a difference in the lives of so many. So listen, I didn't think I'd ever be a Cowboys fan, but we are on the same page <laughs> with well, that. The, I can promise you. The good news is, that means you're going to heaven because you're <laughs> the same team God pulls for. And I've been a fan of Dax since I guess he lost his mom, maybe when he was yeah. at Mississippi State. And I just, I don't know, I've been a fan of his ever since. And Witten's a Tennessee guy. It's hard for me to pull yep. Tennessee people, including Peyton Manning. But um, I wish you all the best. And I Thank can't you. wait to see whatever the future holds for you. And. God bless you, and see you next time, okay? Trey, thank you so much, and I'd love to stay in touch. Thank you yes, so much. Thank you so Take much. Care. Listen ad-free with a Fox News podcast plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 